Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be here today with Sheila Gillette. Um, she's just a, a just such a stellar, kind, sincere, real human being. And it shows in her channeling because the channeling is really clean with the Theo group. And she's been doing this for about four, over 40 years now. Uh, one of the original people that we know of in modern times that publicly came out with channeling when it was not a... Um, when it was not a PC thing to do. So she had to go through her own journey with this. And today we're going to be talking about something that matters to every one of us because it's about relationship and we're finding our relationships are fractured and frayed in almost every conceivable way. And I've got to say something, it's not our fault. The way it was set up from the beginning could only lead to what has happened to us in terms of relating to one another. So here we go. Here comes Sheila. Sheila, it's so good to see your absolutely beautiful face and brilliant colors again. <laughs> oh, thanks, Regina. It's good to be with you again and with your audience. Yeah, and the reason we decided to do this is we were we were just playing with um, the notion of a couple of concepts, and you said, and I said, well, what are you guys personally doing right now? And you said, we're working on relationships with people and I thought bingo I have not done a show on relationships and I you know me I want to go meta I want to take it way back and weave our way forward in terms of how we ended up where we are something that seems so organic and simple that we can watch in the animal kingdom is not so organic and simple with us so well, as you know we have generational and societal patterns that have been passed along since oh, the beginning. Yeah. And cultural patterning that we've all been exhibiting up until now. Exactly. Well, in this, um, first of all, you, you and Marcus are doing a course on relationships right now, as I recall. Can you tell us a little bit about that just to kind of set a backdrop and we'll talk about it again at the very end. So people kind of have somewhere to go with this. We are, we're doing a program called the art of relationship and angelic perceptions on relationship. And what we're doing is that we do have three day relationship retreats, but we're creating a video series and a book that will be out in 2020. But it's the relationship first and foremost to the self. And, and then all other relationships, primary, children, work, everything, you know, it's, we're all relational. Everything that we do is based in relationships. And so it, Theo had brought forth um, a program called Soul Integration. And that's a basis for this program because it's integrating and changing the limiting cultural, familiar, or family beliefs that have been passed along for centuries and how to change those so that our children and our grandchildren aren't having to act out in relationships as we all once did. We're framing and creating a new relational paradigm. That's so important. I mean, I think a lot of times we like to give ourselves credit for things that we haven't done. Simply, and I say that simply because 
we're always in relationship. Unless you're in solitary confinement in a prison or in a cave, you're probably in relationship to other people. And so a lot of times, whether it's our success or failure, we, we tend to take it all on as our burden or as our success when, in fact, it is all relational in the end, isn't it? Yes, and, and like Thea says, we don't hang our soul in the closet when we go to work. Right. And people say, well, I do my spiritual work later. You know, I do my work work and, you know, then I do my spiritual work. Theo says it's all spiritual. It's everything we do is connected to our soul. And how we relate to one another is the way we relate to ourselves first and foremost. How are we treating ourselves? How do we talk to ourselves? How do we, um, how do we care for ourselves? We care better for others than we do ourselves. So how, how do we change that? Yes. Well, when you're ready, we're going to talk to the Theo group about this. And then we'll come back to you and we'll talk about maybe some of the specifics in terms of the tools that you're working with with people. Because, again, uh, bringing all this up with having no, and having no place to go isn't particularly helpful. So how do you feel about that? That'll be terrific. I love to share Theo with everybody, as you know. So I'll invite them in and then okay. we'll talk later. Okay. Right. Here we go. It is the beginning, is it now? It is. You. We are appreciative of the opportunity to be of service on to you, you may ask. Thank you so much for joining all of us watching this, Theo. Um, today, we're going to be talking about relationships from the most divine and not so divine down to the most intimate per and personal, even down to, to two between two people. And one of the things I, I was talking to my husband about that I wanted to bring up because it's so stark and it was really so wrong Going back into my childhood and the childhood of many people watching this right now, my life, I didn't realize, was actually a, almost like a psychotic spiritual split between the normal waking life that was driven by media and Sunday school. So I call it now Bloody Sundays. So there were there was Bloody Sunday where we were, we were shown these images and taught these just horrific stories from the Old Testament and living color in children's books, you know, about offering one's son for sacrifice and rivers of blood running down streets and people slaughtering people and animals. And it was just, I did, by five, I was traumatized and just did not buy it. On the other hand, our media back then was showing us Things like shows like what we, you, you might be able to see it in Sheila Zora and mine, Leave It to Beaver and Father Knows Best, patriarchal, but kind of moral lessons for the family where the father was kind in the end and taught a good moral lesson. And when it was all over, the mom brought cookies and milk. And that was the other part of life. We all tended to live somewhere in between. And I want to talk about this huge distortion that happened from the beginning with humanity 
when we were made to believe that these angry and vicious, vengeful gods were the creator God. Can you start from the beginning with this in the molding of human perception into subservience? So as we know, in the third dimensional reality of human experience, there has been this violence against each other. And the belief, very uh, skewed beliefs that there wasn't enough for everybody, but it was all survival-based interactions. And there was us and them that is continued forward to this time. That's why there was violence. But in many cultures and in many religious respects, it was thought that to be sacrificed was a gift to God and that that was how good things would come to the tribes and to the communities. So there were those who were sacrificed for that end. As there was a greater evolution of consciousness that continued in centuries, it wasn't in few years, it was in centuries that things change. Then it became more civilized. But then there was the organized religions that came forth and created a structure about relationship and how it should be. The people then gave their power away to those leaders in those environments, whether they were religious or political, for survival's sake. This was all for survival. And survival meant what could be done for the elements as well. So if there was a drought, there was sacrificial experiences to bring on the rain. This was all very tribal. Some religious, if they satisfied the gods, the rains would come, the drought would end. All of these things were beliefs about how one should be in the world. That have changed over the centuries to some degree. But there was this patriarchal societal belief that one was the leader and everyone should follow them. And whatever they said, that is what the people would do. And that is where children were taught because beliefs are set in the environments where one is born. And children learn by observation and by speak how they should be because they want to survive in that environment. And then they pass those beliefs on to their young and so on and so forth up until now. Theo, what's interesting is when we look at the religious texts that have been handed down to this day, particularly the Judeo-Christian texts, in the beginning of Genesis, there was the notion that there was a council, the Elohim, and a, 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 a magnanimous and wise council of both male-female, 
that were here to help guide humanity. But that is not what was embraced. What was embraced and lived out was the notion of this one, you know, angry um, and jealous male god. How did we just end up sidestepping the other, that other influence? And those two are side by side in, in the Bible. They were, but understand this, it didn't serve those in charge. And so they rewrote the script. They wanted to control the people and the money and the beliefs. And so as we stated, that patriarchal, the, the judging God came forth from that belief because it controlled. <laughs> people did not do what they were told, then they were judged very harshly at times for their disobedience. Well, you can see how someone, a common American or Western experience such as my own, had to do, did, did create a kind of psychotic spiritual split. You're going to Sunday school and being taught these, these lessons in bed, all of this subservience and anger and, and bloodshed on one hand. Then you move over and are taught lessons of the New Testament Love thy neighbor as thyself. Turn the other cheek. You know, learn to share and honor and not break some very essential, basic kinds of moral rules. And it created a psychotic split in people. This is a very strange thing about Christendom and how it ended up, how it started filtering into our relationship to one another. Can you speak about this? It governed everything, didn't it? And yes, there was a split. And what is a child to believe? Yes. Yeah. And it was do as we say, not as we do, as children observed as well. So there was many who said this cannot be the truth. And ultimately being taught that God was angry was a disservice to humanity because there's not an angry God that punishes. You are the worst judges of yourselves. Human experience is what has dictated the actions and the beliefs and the, the understandings of how one treats one another and the self as well. So there was this continued belief of judgment. It, yes, okay. So what that's, what that's bringing up is so it leaves a child, a little child, to have to discern which one is true, this experience or this experience, and they are polar opposite experiences, correct? That is true. And they adhere to whatever is the belief of the house. Yes. For survival's sake, because if a a child, an infant is born, they are fully aware that they need some assistance to survive in this world. A roof over their head, food to eat, and the greater desire is love. Yes? Yes. Whatever is happening within that environment, they are 
holding beliefs about the human experience from what they are experiencing, what they hear, how others act. They're sponges in the environment for all of that activity. So when they begin to understand and differentiate what is told, what is seen, all of those things, then one begins to discern for the self. And, and some continue to adhere to the line, the what you call a party line, whatever it is in their environment, or they begin to question. And oftentimes shut down in their questioning for no one has a true answer for them. It is the way it is. Indeed. Um, and you take it up on your own and find your own way. Now, I want to get into a little more esoteric part of the conversation because you have already been experienced. I mean, you have experience with my audience and know they've been exposed to many concepts. One of the concepts here is that the gods, the petty and, and angry gods, the controlling gods we speak of, may have actually come from another race of beings coming here and controlling the human species. Beings that had some abilities and some powers and technologies humanity didn't have, and that we gave them an elevated status, turned our power over to them, and allowed them to call the shots. And uh, in some circles, they're called Anunnaki, for example. So can you tell us about that part? If, if through your lens, this is a significant part of that story at all or not? There is some significance to that story because there were those, as we stated, that were empowered and overpowered all the beings and held the beliefs of those first violent or repercussions of those who did not adhere to the rules. Yes. So there was this progressiveness that did happen, just as is happening now. Okay. So what I'd like to move toward is then, so we end up in relationships over the last few millennia that are patriarchal in nature. But before we even go there, I did an interview with you for Gaia TV a year or so ago when we did speak about the fact that there had been there have been matriarchal cultures that were also out of balance and used the male in the past. And if you can just speak to that again briefly before we go into the patriarchal part of the dysfunction. There have been female hmm, at times leaders. Yes. You've used one another over many centuries at different times. The matriarchal, just as hmm, you might say, uncomfortable for society as the males. Any time that there is one thinking they are greater than another, that's an imbalance in relationship, is it not? So there have been druids and Essenes and, and many in the matriarchal way that held the power 
And they have the mystical power as well, where the males did not. The males held the physical power. The females held the mystical power, which they used to control. So this memory of being controlled by the female in mystical ways that maybe are not as understood by the masculine remains as a subconscious fear within them. And did that perhaps then even help continue the perpetuation out of fear of the female to go back into the cycle of what we now call the patriarchy and dominance over the female? Yes, but understand this. The females gave their power, or so it appeared, to the male, but did they really? This is, yes, please continue, because this is a part of the discussion I want to move into. So what? The males had a false sense of control. Even though they were larger and more powerful, that's how they controlled, and that's how they control some females today, some males do. But the female is always being empowered through the mystical side. And so when they learned about that power, they used it in a very hmm, covert way to control. This is, this is a really important part of the conversation because... I want to get deeper into it in some of those distortions that are happening now. And so we know what's happened through the patriarchal rule. We know there's been the perception women have not been able to hold any positions of overt power. And at the same time, this covert power, as you speak of, this ability to use a different kind of thinking, manipulation, wild sexual energy, and so forth to get what one needed because you couldn't overtly ask for or take as a woman. Let's talk about how that has worked through the millennia and how it's showing up today now that we're theoretically coming out from under patriarchal rule. So what has been recognized, and many females have known this all along, to use their abilities in covert ways and manipulation as you spoke was a way to get their way and to feel in control. Yes? So that's what they did. They used sexuality. They used their intuitive abilities and gifts and knowing because knowing how to hmm, manipulate someone is an intuitive way, isn't it? So because they were less uh, in strength, they used the mind in wiles or ways that they could control in, and it was very powerful. Okay, now let's bring it forward to today. So we have this, this confusing time we're living in where the male... The men in in society, particularly in the Western world, and even in the even in the third uh, lesser developed nations, uh, technologically and economically, um, 
we're seeing a time where the men are a little more lost right now. The women have been rising up now for a generation, two generations, becoming educated, moving into the workforce, moving into positions of overt power in politics. And we see some beautiful examples. Recently, we're seeing examples of women in a very chaotic you know, distasteful situation rising up and being called the heroes of the process. We're in the impeachment proceedings at this moment in time with President Trump in the United States. And, and some of the women's who, women who have come forward to testify are turning out to be the ones that have this clarity and strength about them, using the feminine in a way that is very honorable and not covert. At the same time, we're seeing a burgeoning of these, the, the women who are taking those wiles and the manipulation and starting to dominate and control, the, especially in the younger generation of men. And I've seen this firsthand and I'm seeing it in a lot of other people who are coming forward to talk to me about situations where their brothers, um, their husbands, I mean, their exes and their sons are being taken over by a not so divine feminine force that takes control and isolates and dominates. It seems like it's the unhealed part of the feminine given power without having learned how to really use it in a, a responsible and appropriate way. It is true that that is occurring, but it's occurring in society. For beings don't know how to be in this new paradigm of relationship that is preferential, not needy. For in the past, you needed each other to survive. True. So, and then the woundedness in each one of you was attracted to the woundedness in the other with the expectation that if one could take care of the other, everything would be fine. And that is not true. Another cannot heal the wounds of another person. That's an inside out experience. It must come from the inner to the outer. And that's this new paradigm, what is occurring. And so what you speak about are these women who have been wounded and are acting out from those wounds and with the liberation of their anger against the male. Yes, indeed. I see this. And so now that we're looking at, we, we can, we've constructed a little bit of, of path how we got here on both sides. And now we are dealing with the subconscious, which is the library of all that has ever been. So we have men who are fearful of women on a very deep subconscious level in historical patterning. And we have women who are angry at men. Now, how do we begin the process of working through the subconscious pull on our psyche and our emotions that drive us, that have continued to drive us into unhealthy patterns? And these patterns have been passed along for centuries, as we've stated. And so what it is, it's beliefs. It's beliefs that have been adopted by the individuals, whether male or female, that are limiting them for the recognition of the state of unconditional love. Unconditional love is God. And that's within you. And it's not a feeling, it's a state of being. It's a way of being soul-centered. 
So how one changes on the inner these beliefs that limit is by identifying who inside is acting out, what age we speak of it as soul integration. Recognizing where these beliefs, this anger you speak of, this fear, because it's on both sides. Where does it come from? Where did it first start? And this taps into your multidimensionality as well. Not only of this lifetime, though it's exhibited in the now, it is how one has been on a solo, and as you've stated, that is permeating everything that you are, all the cells of your body, actually. That is where your Akashic Records is. All the history is in you. And so it's identifying where those limiting beliefs, that unlove of self first began, and rewriting the script, changing it, loving the self. And when you love the self enough, your whole trajectory of your life changes. The interactions of relationships with everyone, your primary relationship, your your relationships with friends, work, family, it all changes with that integration of self. It makes perfect sense on all dimensions is once one has developed the ability to show compassion for oneself and care and kindness for oneself, those frequencies are then embodied and can, as you say, extend to everyone around us. And let's take a little look at what what the opportunity is on this planet? We have kind of a binary system here. Everything is ordered toward polarity, masculine and feminine polarity, whether it's a, on an atomic level or a human or animal or plant level. So what is the opportunity in incarnating, for example, into a feminine body and what the what is possible through the feminine body Uh, psyche and um, even spiritual body of the feminine. And I don't want to say divine feminine, but we could say divine feminine. What can the greatest opportunity of living as a woman in our world show itself as? Compassion for everything. When you have this unconditional loving center, soul-centeredness, your whole perception of your world changes and of others. If you could imagine every single person on this planet being soul-centered, doing the integrated process, loving the self fully, you would have peace on your planet. You would treat each other with compassion and respect. As you speak of the divine feminine, what we address is that each and every one of you is a divine master being having a human experience, which is the learning of emotions. The earth plane is this. And so they're not good and bad emotions. They're just emotions to be experienced, to be understood, and to be compassionate with in the self and others. 
And also, I think everyone understands this inherently, but just fair to say that there is no body, there's no being man or woman or in between that is not embodying the uh, traits, the internal spiritual traits of both masculine and feminine. We just live in a more dominance as woman or dominance as male. So that having been said, you said compassion is the hallmark of the highest potential of the feminine. What is the hallmark of the highest potential of the divine masculine? It is compassion as well, for you're all the same. You all desire the same. And understand this, how you get there is through communication and truth. Sharing your truth individually, whether masculine or feminine in the world, without fear. Many feel that that makes them vulnerable. Vulnerability is strength. The ability to be and stand in your truth is a gift you give the world whether masculine or feminine. And in that truth, you can trust each other. Yes? Indeed. And these are higher principles, as you say, that apply to all souls that are embodied and disembodied, both all beings. So you would say, there is, is there any kind of unique opportunity to be had in being feminine? Obviously, we can bear children. Any unique opportunity to be had in being born into a masculine body? Each is an equally important. For yes, the feminine can bear children, but they need a male to do so, don't they? Yes. So you need each other for the gifts you bring. It is important to note the male and female of the species bring it forth, bring more of the species to this planet. And understand this, you're one species on this planet. And to begin to think in terms of the wholeness of that. It matters not the color of the skin, the language that is spoken, the place on earth you live. You're all one. And to hold that in your heart with love is important. Indeed. Can you bring or share with us uh, I, I know that there are some people here who are going to want to continue on with the work of you, Sheila and Marcus, and the Theo Group in terms of learning more and refining more understanding of relationship. But can you leave us with a, a couple of things? You've already said compassion, uh, not judging one another. Anything else you can leave us with, perhaps not even as um, both as individuals and even as couples, that we might practice on a daily basis to start bringing us closer into this harmony? So it's important within relationship that you, you speak your truth. Expectations cannot be met unless they are voiced. Even though that you are very telepathic together, whether it's a spouse or a child, and you assume they read your mind, that is unfair. And so it's important to speak out what's important to you and to ask for your needs to be met. It is not the large things that divide you. It's the small things. And it is assumptions 
not knowing what the other truly desires. So in that, do not assume. And sit together and let each other know, I feel loved when, when this or that is done. And it's small things that makes one feel loved. And it's true whether it's a child or an adult. So communication is the key to your relationships and sharing your truth. The ability of vulnerability is the power. Thank you. Yes, thank you for that. That's beautiful. Um, Just any other, besides the truth, are there any kind of lovely little visions or practices that you recommend to people um, in addition to that? So it is you recognize the frustrations of life, yes? Mm -hmm. Remember, the individual is more important than a small frustration you might feel. What if they were not in your life? Would the small thing that's frustrating you be that important? Make the person that you love important, more important than things or small annoyances. Very good. Theo, uh, thank you so much for just helping um, to construct a a deeper view of what we have, what we've been up against and also what we need to embrace and also take responsibility for. And um, I would like to find out if you have one more um, comment you'd like to make before we bring Sheila back. We wish to express our appreciation for the ability to speak to serve, to enlighten. We are complete for this moment. God's love unto you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Hi, Regina. Hi, Sheila. Thank you for doing that with us, Sheila. Um, before we go, let's just uh, spend a moment and tell us a little bit about um, the course on relationships. You have a three-day workshop on relationships. Is there anything ongoing as well? How long does that last? And what is some, um, maybe what is some of the uh, structure to it so we, we understand? The retreat it will be next year. I don't have the date uh, right now. It's a three-day retreat on the art of relationship. We are creating a program that's a video program, a book, and an online series that will be beginning in 2020. And it's speaking about all relationships. Yes. And most importantly, the relationship to ourselves. Yes. Wonderful. Well, this was a really just clear, clean conversation um, that puts the focus back into the proper place for us. And I really appreciate your taking the time um, to do this. I will probably see you at some point next year at Gaia. 
if not personally otherwise, in a few months down the road. But I look forward to seeing both you and Marcus again. And I and once again, I appreciate you and the Theo Group taking the time today to be with us and, and help smooth our understanding of relationships a bit. Certainly been my pleasure. And I know Theo loves to share their wisdom. And I'll look forward to seeing you again. Um, it's not an either or, it's an and. We'll Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah. I think you're doing a workshop in January in California. So we're definitely going to see yes. it. Okay. Oh, that'll be great. It's San Rafael. Yes. Yeah. We'll see San Rafael. You Thank okay. you so much, Sheila. And for everybody. My pleasure. If you want to connect with Sheila's work and the Theo Group and Marcus, you can go to asktheo.com. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on reginameredith.com.